plans are worthless. But planning is everything. General and President Dwight Eisenhower's wisdom still rings true today. The Mutual Broadcasting System presents STRAT, Strategic Risk Assessment Talk. A forum with a preparedness mindset. Mitigating risks, creating systems of prevention and recovery to deal with potential threats. And understanding the objectives of a business continuity plan. This is the podcast for leaders who are committed to being prepared. Now, here are your hosts, retired Marine Intelligence Officer and globally recognized risk expert, Hal Kempfer, and investment banking executive, Mark Mansfield. Mark, well, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk about India. And I'm not thinking of it so much, it's not a risk. I think it's more of an opportunity, but India is at a crossroads. And I think this has global implications, certainly implications for here in North America, the U.S., Canada, but everywhere around the world. So we're going to talk about India today, some of the trends, some of the things we're seeing, and 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 I just want, I want to get your thoughts, and I'm going to give you my thoughts on it. And I was just over in that region uh, not too long ago, and it's not the first time I've been over there. I've been over there many times. So I think this is something that a, a lot of us don't realize is happening, and we're going to get some uh, a little bit of clarity and a little bit of analysis on it. T- timing couldn't be better, Hal. As you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, uh, India was hosted here. It's a new it's a new global darling, and uh, you know a very important part, not necessarily immediately in our fortress North America region, but certainly a critical element in, up to it within this counterbalance of alliances that we're going to discuss today and economics. I was going to say, you know, we use the term Fortress North America, and that really has, you know, talks about the supply chain. And I think that was brought dramatically true to everybody with COVID when we realized that the supply chain worldwide has vulnerabilities. And then we saw the war in Ukraine and other things that impacted the supply chain. So we talk about pulling things in. In this case, when we talk about Fortress North America, it, it might be looking at India in a very different way, though looking at India as an alternative to this, you know, this massive infusion of the last 30 years of capital and offshoring of, of manufacturing and other things going to China. And now some of that's getting pulled back. And the question is, where will it go to? Yeah. So, so, so let's talk about that. Absolutely. So uh, India is in all likelihood <laughs> going to be the offset to China, to your point now. Uh, manufacturing is, is migrating to other areas in, in Southeast Asia. We'll talk about that later. But in particular, to India. So in, India is interesting in, in many, many ways. One, not only as a new factory for the world, ergo replacing China, but but also as, as one of the massive, largest consumer markets in the world. That Their economy is growing at an annual rate of 6%, and they're expected to supplant Japan and Germany in growth by 2028. 20, uh, so that we're looking at them not only to be our new uh, manufacturing base, or in part a significant portion of it, as well as a massive consumer and a geopolitical ally. Well, they just surpassed China in population. And if you look at the trends, China is having a depopulation issue. Uh, They're looking at dropping their population down. I've seen a variety of numbers. I've seen estimates, and I think this is more on the far end, but estimates of China's population sometime by the middle, maybe three quarters into the century, getting close to 800 million now that's 
stunning, whereas India is going the other direction. And, and of course, from a banking perspective, we must segment that population, okay? As we noted earlier in one of our discussions, China's population is aging, okay, which is actually... There's a couple of things. One, they're not as productive from a manufacturing perspective. And two, they could be a, they're a financial burden. I mean, it's just the realities of, of what happens with an older individual. Where this is different with India, in India has a youth bulge right now. It's got approximately 500 million people under the age of 20. Okay, that, that is tremendously relevant insofar as they've got not only the actual numbers, but again, in terms of segmentation, they've got people that have a lot of runway to do a lot of work going forward. So we're talking decades. Well, and they're also, if you look at where they're located, they're in a perfect strategic region of the world. Now, there's a couple of choke points they have to deal with. With manufacturing of India, unlike, say, Europe or China, there are critical straits that they have to go through. You know, one of the big things, and we saw this uh, recently with a uh, when when there was a big clog in the Red Sea, or should not the Red Sea, but in the Suez Canal, yes, that that really shuts down uh, global trade in a major way. Well, that's something that does affect India because of where they're located strategically, and then of course you have the other way. There's some key straits in there, so they have some things they have to look at in the shipping lanes, which. China does not have to worry about. Europe does not have to worry about in the same way. And of course, with the potential of a conflict with China, that impacts them in ways that, that wouldn't impact, say, some others. So, so, so building on your point regarding infrastructure, whether it's shipping or whatever, whatever infra- infrastructure is critical. We just talked about the massive growth, okay? We just talked about the significant population that has to be supported and the positives that are around that. Okay, the infrastructure in and of itself, in terms of roads and, and so forth, is not necessarily up to par. So mm-hmm. there's going to be an aggressive grappling and race to get caught up. So, okay, so, and, and that goes to the logistics, which is all part of the, the supply chain management, if they elect to become our, 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 our partner in manufacturing. Another interesting infrastructure-related point is the fact that their education system is somewhat skewed. They, they only spend about 2.9% of, of their GDP on education, that's, that's low compared to the rest of the world. So they've got this massive group of people that need to be educated, all right? And they've got, coupled with spikes of some of the most brilliant engineers and well-educated people in the world. So from an infrastructure perspective, if they can move quickly, broaden and educate the base of the pyramid, then they're gonna be in a very good position. You know, what's interesting is when you bring in the the education challenge, of course, they have some of the best universities in the world. They have what some would argue is the best technical university, STEM university in the world. Uh, They, they, you know, India produces some of the the top minds in in cyberspace, if you will, in dealing with high-tech industries and stuff. So they're way ahead there. But then you have this broader problem, which is do you have a, a, sufficiently educated industrial population that youth bulge that you were just talking about that's gonna be a big challenge here's the thing i think that's fascinating with india though is they are also hitting the world or hitting the education sector or the training sector if you will at an interesting time where virtual education virtual training you know the brick and mortar classroom dynamic that we're so familiar with is is shifting you know, doing courses online, doing education online is now taking place. And I look at India, where they have the opportunity to potentially, say, leapfrog other countries by adopting the new technology or integrating the new technology in ways that other countries are still left with legacy infrastructure 
they could move to the next step. And I think there's an opportunity there for them to move rather quickly to solve that problem. Excellent point, and, and let me reinforce it or, or build on it. Okay, back full circle to that youth bulge, the 500 million under 20, okay? Why is that relevant to repeat? Because they're much quicker and, and, and it's easier for them in terms of technology adoption, all right? So they are going to embrace technology in a way that an aging population wouldn't. That's self-evident, but it's important to point out because that's going to be catalytic in terms of this infrastructure. Another, another very important point is this was just announced a few days ago. Reliance has just launched a basic internet service, which is going to provide massive conductivity for 4G. By the way, for those of us who don't, we want to tell them a little bit more about Reliance because that is one of the major players out there. It's one of it's, it's a, one of the largest company or conglomerations in the world, and then it's deeply vertically integrated, and it's got a huge vested interest in India being positioned as as to what we said as a, a new leader in the world and partner with 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 Fortress North America. To your point, what they've done is this will drive commerce, this will drive payment systems, this will drive education. They're making this service available for uh, roughly a thousand rupees, uh, $12 US. Point is, this will drive scale because it is accessible and because we have a bulge of the population that is willing to adopt it. One of the things that I've, I've seen with India is they, they have grasped or, or basically, uh, I should say, embraced the concept of economies of scale in ways that other places haven't. It, certainly China did. And if you want to go back historically, the U.S. did, certainly around World War II. But they understand the, the importance of building economies of scale because they have such a large population. They have such a it's a large country geographically, but it has this huge population and all these infrastructure challenges. And and when they do something they they do it in a big way yeah and and part of it for better or worse is you know don't want to opine on this but the, you know the british system okay they pick take the good with the bad but in fact the british system did impose as we've talked about structure okay both vertically and horizontally which is which is very important that's going to stay and they can continue to build on that but again the technology will turn that they'll maintain the integrity of that but the efficiencies that will be driven through the established colonial structure, for lack of a better term, will, will be technology-driven, and it, they'll be able to move more quickly if executed properly. You know, we were talking about this uh, at one time about you know the, the thing about India was that it it you know it, when it became independent, it was casting aside a lot of the blue, uh, the British colonial legacy, if you will, trying to push it aside as fast as they could. Although some things were tougher to push aside, but one thing they always kept was this British colonial bureaucracy, this British bureaucratic system, which uh, interestingly for decades uh, has always been something they point to to say this is one of those things that caused stagnation or slow down India from, from really adopting a more globalist, expansionist, uh, you know, uh, innovative sort of, uh, of style. But interesting, it provides that structure, that base which now is going to be maybe the cohesion that allows them to leapfrog into this new new economy, if you will, this new this new paradigm shift. Absolutely, and cohesion is a perfect world because it's it's horizontally stratified in terms again, for better or worse, a caste system. All right, and it's you're talking about a geography that covers X number of time zones. So they they need to have the vertical and horizontal structure, and it's provided that technology is going to make it better. Uh, we, we we believe so so that's uh, they're they're perfectly perfectly positioned um 
Well, I was going to say, uh, you know, the caste, the caste system in India has been something, uh, certainly if you go back to Mahatma Gandhi, he used to rail against the caste system. Uh, I don't, you know, currently now, Modi, uh, a very interesting political leader, uh, you know, he was very, he was very much uh, showcased in, in, you know, in Washington D.C. He got a state dinner. He got, you know, he got to speak, uh, and and basically, uh, he was showcased, and it was showcasing the 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 new relationship, if you will, that the U.S. has with that. But here's the thing: I think that's changing with that. India is a global player. When you are, operate globally, a lot of those things, and every country in the world's had to learn this. And when they step onto that stage, a lot of those cultural things that that were big within your country will change on the global stage. The other thing is that when you have rapid rapid development, rapid ep- economic expansion, that tends to change the where everybody sits in society. So even though he is a quote Hindu nationalist, I'm kind of wondering if the caste system is is they may point to it you see it certainly it's not something you can ignore but on the other hand i think there's going to be a different way that that's going to go yeah that's that's what you'd hope but there there does have to be a balancing act look we talked about the the education system we talked about the gaps between the haves and the have-nots not just financially but in terms of education which is obviously there's often there is a correlation but but you know having said that that this tension will continue likely with 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 the Hindu Muslim tension and, and again in the broader collateral geography, but as they get more exposed, as you say, to the rest of the world and are and exercise leadership in the Security Alliance, which you can probably expand on of Quad, then th- th- this th- this should dampen that. But this is something that will be a balancing act going forward. Well, I should mention with the Quad, you know, the four countries, you know, uh, India. Australia, Japan, the U.S., or the Quad Plus, which includes South Korea, or the Quad Expanded, if you will, which includes a few other countries. Um, and and I was, you know, not too long ago, I was in that region, so I, I was in, in the places that, that involve the Quad or the Quad Expanded thing. So I had a little bit different view on this. But but with that, you know, some years back, Pacific Command, the U.S., you know, big military command was changed to Indo-Pacific Command. Right. And the Indo was put there specifically to change our national security uh, look, if you will, to bring the in- Indian Ocean region more into it. But the other side of that is we're talking about, you know, with the liaisons, possibly with Japan, but with NATO and stuff, could this quad grow into a formal treaty alliance? You know, could we actually have something like an IPTO, an Indo-Pacific Treaty Organization, or something like that. And I think that changes the strategic dynamic across the board. Yeah, we're on the trajectory, the course and speed is, is in that direction. And frankly, again, this is really relevant timing-wise. It, it was just within the last month, again, with the state visit and so forth, that we are now inking, well, wherever you stand on this, but it's a, it's a reality of life. We are now inking significant defense deals, arms deals w- with India. And, and that, that's critical. Why? Because at one point, India was in, under the sphere of influence of, of Russia. And they, they, they have been relying on Russian armaments and military systems. They are now, in a measured way, pivoting back to the Western world, and which is 
A, politically what we need, and B, operationally to be relevant in terms of these security packs, absolutely necessary. And once they get a system, as you, you're the expert, once the system's installed, that's a commitment, and they're there for, for a while. Oh, once you get a new, once you get a new major weapon system, you're, you got a long tail on that, that that's going to keep you there. The big thing, too, is uh, if you look at the realignment, you know, for a long time, India was aligned with Russia, or the Soviet Union, I should say. Right. They, they have a Soviet-equipped military force. That's been gradually changing, and it's changing a lot more now. The other thing, too, is with the war in Ukraine, the whole world, I don't care what they do at the arms shows around the world, the whole world has looked at Russian equipment and said, yeah, that, that's just not working out too right. well. The Western equipment, the U.S. Uh, weapon systems have been dominating the battle space, battlefield, if you will, uh, within uh, Ukraine. And everybody's seen that. And everybody's drawing questions about planes, tanks, and about anti-aircraft systems. And frankly, they're drawing a lot of questions on ships because even though it hasn't been a dominant player in that, what little has happened in naval action in the Black Sea has not been to, say, Russia's benefit, if you will. And so there's a lot of questions there. That's going to change our, our, our look there. But interesting, another thing happening, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, with Muslim-Hindu tension, Pakistan is in a different situation. They used to be more of a U.S. ally. Right. You got the big Belt and Road Initiative stuff going on there with China in there. And with our cozying up to India... You know, historically, that's usually going to cause some tension in Pakistan. So what do you think about that? Well, there's going to be, well, that, that tension is going to be uh, showcased as well with the other point building on the, pulling China back into, you just alluded to, there's a, there's an indigenous friction ongoing with, with, with India and China. So, you know, that's now triangulated with the U.S. being introduced. Pakistan is becoming marginalized. Their, their, their local pol- politicians, the political system is, is, leans towards authoritarianism they just had a government shutdown so where they're going is, is they're decoupling from that from that region and and india is 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 providing great ballast one quick point i want to throw at you before we wrap up here these are all very positive if if, if the high wire act is maintained there's one issue and we're talking about this other is well number of issues but one in particular they are geographically exposed, well, as is most of the world now, but, but to, to extreme storms. And we all witnessed the monsoons, what that did to an agrarian-based culture, again, at the base, or economy, at the base of, of the, the pyramid, at least. So that plays into infrastructure. There, there's got to be an agrarian uh, proactive activity that can just anticipate more monsoons, or at least the same, not less. And, and how do we support ourselves? Well, I would say with monsoons, you also have... Uh, with climate change, you have uh, shrinking glaciers in the Himalayas. That's the primary water source. That's going to cause more issues. And you also have droughts, tremendous droughts and tremendous heat, some of the heat. And then, of course, and we didn't really talk about this, the environmental degradation from pollution. And that's another thing that, that hits India. It hits a lot of it hits China. It hits a lot of places. But these are all huge challenges that India is going to have to overcome as it moves forward. This has been a fairly far-reaching discussion. We've gone into economics, we've gone into military, gone into other things. Do you want to say a couple words before we wrap up our discussion here? Well, only that I think India is 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 on is on the ascension. Um, uh, it's it's certainly going to be part of dotted line to uh, to fortress North America. They're very wise, very hardworking, and and they recognize the leverage that they have, frankly, in terms of providing ballast to 
much of the Western world's earlier reliance on China. I, I think I think we're going to have to keep an eye on India because things are changing so fast, and India is going to become a dominant part of every global discussion in the coming years. Absolutely. Thank you. Strat, Strategic Risk Assessment Talk with Hal Kemper and Mark Mansfield. Podcast weekly from the Mutual Broadcasting System.